Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. No, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. It's me, Toby Altizer, in for him today. You just heard me on the big show alongside Gary Ellerson and Leroy Butler. Had a nice conversation with Leroy ahead of the show this afternoon. Hopefully he's able to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week. Well-deserved. Great guy. Hopefully he can get in some nice words from Gary to close out the big show just a few minutes ago. I want to talk a little bit about the NBA, what's going on at the trade deadline. You got the Milwaukee Bucks maybe interested in making some moves, maybe looking at getting a guy like Dennis Schroeder off of the Boston Celtics, maybe moving Dante DiVincenzo. I want to talk about that. You also had some trades going down in the NBA. We'll break that down. And then I want to talk a little bit about Matt LaFleur and his offense because when you think about – the, the teams that have been successful the last couple seasons that have been to the Super Bowl in the NFC, you think of the Rams and you think of the Niners and then obviously Tom Brady's led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Sean McVay, you have Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, they're all kind of out of the same tree and they were able to get to Super Bowls with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff at, under center. Do you think that Matt LaFleur's offense could be the same sort of thing if Aaron Rodgers is an under center? Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten him to a Super Bowl yet. Now, I'm I'm still on the train that I want Aaron Rodgers back, but I don't know if you can maybe say that Matt LaFleur's offense is able to get the job done without a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. The other coaches were able to do it, so who's to say Matt LaFleur isn't able to? We'll talk about that, but first I want to dive into some of these NBA trades it's me, Toby Altizer, alongside Sam Schmitz here inside the Lakeland University studios. Lakeland University, the leader in online education for more than 25 years, lakeland.edu. I want to get your thoughts on some of these trades. Sam and I will talk through them. There were a couple breaking news today. The first one that came out, Shams Karania of The Athletic tweeted out that Portland is acquiring... Uh, Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 
Tomas Sadoransky and some draft compensation, and they are sending to the Pelicans C.J. McCollum. That one kind of shocks me. I guess I understand it because you, <laughs> the Blazers are not very good, but you have a guy in Damian Lillard that has been very loyal to this organization, and he wants to stick around and play with them, I think, and he, he you're giving up his running mate in the backcourt that they've had for a long time. And I think McCollum has been a nice story coming out of Lehigh. He's part of that 15 seed that upsets Duke. He's a great player. And maybe it's just at some point you got to move on because they haven't really gotten the job done. But I think it's odd that they want to move on from C.J. McCollum. We'll dive into that a little bit more. Then the other trade was... The Pacers are sending DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Sacramento Kings. In return, the Pacers are getting Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. And I, this one is interesting in a lot of ways because Sabonis is a really good player. He's going to Sacramento, and Sacramento's giving up some young guys, and Halliburton and Buddy Heald. I don't quite understand this trade. I don't get where they're coming from. If you want to hop in on the conversation, you can tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan. Give us a call, 414-799-1250. Let's first look at this CJ McCollum deal. I got to be honest, neither one of these deals do anything for me because they're not teams that you think are really contending in the NBA. Maybe they're looking into the future, and that's got to be what they're doing because if you look right now at these teams – the New Orleans Pelicans are 10th in the Western Conference. The Trailblazers are right behind them, just one half a game behind. So they're just out of the play-in tournament. So they're kind of trading amongst people that really are just fighting for playoff position. I don't quite understand what you're trying to get out of that. Do, do you understand what you're doing with C.J. McCollum there? I, I get that you want to maybe Zion's been out, so they're thinking – all right, we get Zion back, and we have a guy like C.J. McCollum. We can kind of get the job done, but I just don't see. I don't see the point in some of these trades. So for me, it makes sense. It's it, when you first hear the C.J. McCollum trade, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you're a Portland Trailblazers fan. No, but when you look at the amount of money that they cleared and you know the amount of cap space that they now have for next year. It kind of makes sense, but they are really rolling dice. I saw Adrian Wojnarowski shortly after the trade. He tweeted out that Portland essentially now has like $60 million in free cap space for next year. So I assume they're going to let Damian Lillard rest up for this season and get him healthy for next year. So they're going in for someone in the next right. offseason. They're going to roll the dice, try to get a big free agent, but we'll see how that works. Because I feel like you know if I'm a team that has like already a couple established players, that would be just be like, well, I'm not going to sign there. I'll just sign with a team that already has like a big two or whatever, and then we'll try to get you know Dame just to get traded out yeah. of there. So I think it's a really risky move for Portland, but I guess it saves them a lot of money. That's the only reason I can see that happening. And with the Pelicans, I mean, McCollum is under contract for the next two years. So you still have Brandon Ingram, you have McCollum and Zion if he ever gets back on the court. So I guess it's just kind of their big three that they're going to try to establish around because realistically, I mean, they can't really bring in anybody. So this is their best way of establishing a big three in their sense. Yeah, I guess. It's just I always have a hard time. One, I don't know what Zion's deal is. I don't know. Foot injury and just, you know, cannot get back in the court for some reason. He's a big dude that he's going to be dealing with these foot injuries, I'd assume, for quite a while because 
He's a guy that needs to play explosive. He puts a lot of torque on that lower body. It's going to be interesting to see what that does to the Pelicans because I think C.J. McCollum can be a really good player. I think, you know, he definitely, I don't know if he's a number one in this league. We really haven't had to see that much because Damian Lillard is the clear alpha there. But now he goes to a team where maybe he gets the chance to be a number one or a 1A alongside Ingram or Zion Williamson. This move for the Pelicans is obviously more so for next season than it is for this season. Both of these teams are kind of iffy on playoff position. The other one, I don't quite understand either. The Sacramento Kings, you have some young guys, and you've got a really good player in Tyrese Halliburton, and you send him to the Pacers, and I really like Sabonis. I I just, again, some of these trades, maybe it's just because they're towards the bottom of the league, and you can move players, whatever. I think I'm more interested in seeing what the Bucs or some of these other top teams in the East or the West try to do to improve their teams because I think the Bucs are going to need to move uh, some pieces, whether it's Dante, whether it's Nora, someone that's going to need to be moved to get a big man into town because I think they need to really be honest with themselves about Brooke Lopez. Is he going to play this year? Is he someone you can depend on? And if he comes back, are you sure that he's going to last the rest of the playoffs or the last of the regular season, whatever the time frame is that he comes back? Are we sure that he's going to be able to go that entire time? So I want to see the Bucks go get another big man. And I'm not sure what you can get. I saw that earlier, and Bart Winkler's show earlier today talked with Keith Smith about this, that they're talking about trading Dante for Dennis Schroeder, which I do like Schroeder. And I think at this point in Dante's career, he is an improvement. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is over Dante just because of how poorly DiVincenzo's played since he came back from that injury. I think if this were last season when DiVincenzo was healthy, I don't know that it does a whole lot to move the needle. I think that one's pretty close to even. But if they can get a guy like Grant Williams, I really do like Grant Williams. If they can bring him in, they're lacking a little bit of physicality at the big man position. And they're searching for it in a lot of ways. And I still don't quite understand why they move on from a guy like Boogie Cousins because he brings a lot of physicality down in the post. But if you can bring in a guy like Grant Williams, you can fill a little bit of that void. You can maybe help out with Bobby. But this Bucks team, they're really good, but you got to start looking ahead to the postseason now, which I think they've done a good job of. They've conserved their energy. They've played basketball appropriate for a defending champion. They're not out there trying to get the best record in the regular season. It doesn't matter to them. They want to win another title. So I think they've done a good job coming off their first title in 50 years. They're doing a good job of that. They need to start ramping up here soon, probably after the All-Star break, and they need to ramp up this roster a little bit because I don't know what's going to happen with Brooke Lopez. I don't know if they know what's going to happen with Brooke Lopez. If Brooke comes back, I think this roster's ready to run into another NBA Finals and maybe win another NBA Finals. But if they don't have Brooke Lopez, I mean, who are you trotting out there? Do you trust Greg Monroe to be your other big man? I don't know that that's what you want to do. It's just it's a really tough situation when you think about it because the Bucks want to keep Dante DiVincenzo in town. They like Dante, and there's no reason not to like him. He's a good player. But that when you bring in a guy like Grayson Allen who can give you a very similar skill set, he's not as good defensively and you know maybe not as much of a high flyer, but he's a better shooter. I think you have the ability to move on from Dante DiVincenzo, and then you have a guy like 
Jordan Wara, who I think maybe has more trade value or about the same trade value as a guy like DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo has more pedigree. He's shown that he can do it at a higher level. But I think what Nuara does is he gives you some potential that maybe you just don't see in a guy like Dante. I think Dante's kind of showed you what he can be. I think Nuara can be a really good scorer in this league, but I don't know that he ever gets that chance in Milwaukee. So maybe you can trade one or both of those guys to get something. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing when you think about for the Bucks. What are they going to do at the trade deadline? Again, there were two big trades today. None of them involved the Bucks. You get the trade deadline coming up this week. What do you think they're going to do? And do you think that they need to make a move? 414-799-1250. We're going to continue talking a little bit about the NBA when we come back, and then we'll get into some Packers talk as we keep it rolling here on 1250 AM, The Fan on Sparky's Midday Madness. Bucks see him as kind of their only real path towards an upgrade at the trade deadline because they just don't have the matching salary to do anything else. They feel pretty good about their depth on the wing and at the guard spot. So what it sounds like they are looking for is two things. One is a backup big, uh, which makes sense given the uncertainty around Burke Lopez, and that they'd like to get another on-ball creator to help the bench unit. At times, they have struggled uh, when they go to bench groups because they don't have necessarily someone who can get the ball and make a play uh, for themselves off the bounce. So that's where I think the interest in Dennis Schroeder comes in. There you heard from Keith Smith talking about the Bucks viewing Dante DiVincenzo really as the only guy that they can trade because of salaries. When you have a team like the Milwaukee Bucks that has a solid roster where you have guys that are getting paid like Giannis is getting paid, like Drew is getting paid, like Chris is getting paid, it can be tough at times. While you may deal dudes that you would have no problem dealing, they might not have a salary that's big. And there he talks about Dante being the only guy that they can move. And really, it's because you think of Jordan Wara, he doesn't have a big contract. Who is going to match that that would give you a similar caliber? You'd rather just keep him on your roster. Dante, you could move and maybe match a salary. And Dennis Schroeder is one of the guys that they've brought up. And here's what he had to say about Dennis Schroeder. One of those odd things where I think he'd be better for Milwaukee in a lesser role than he is for Boston in a bigger role, because I think, yeah, you know, a little Dennis Schroeder goes a long way. When you're asking him to come in off your bench, kind of carry the scoring load for somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, you're in pretty good shape. And that's the role I think he'd play uh, for the Bucks. I don't think he'd be part of their closing groups. I think they've got those fairly well set. And, and I think you're, really looking for those middle minutes where it's, all right, we, we got to sit Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. You know, they need their rest. Maybe they're even out for a night, and you kind of let that be the Dennis Schroeder game. Let, let him, you know, take his 20 shots and, and see what he can get you, and that, that can sometimes go well. For the Celtics, the problem has been he's had to have a much bigger role, and he's had to be a part of their closing lineup, and that's made things kind of messy uh, for them at times. So what they're looking to do is rebalance, uh, they feel good now that they're healthy, that they've got kind of the right guys that they need. Um, but the Grant Williams part, that I was told this morning, that's been the sticking point. That Celtics have no interest in moving Grant Williams uh, in a trade like this because Grant Williams is their third big. 
in a three-big rotation with Robert Williams and Al Horford, and he's shooting you know over 42% from three this year, that they do not want to move him. Yeah, and it makes sense to not want to move a guy like Grant Williams. I would want him, obviously, if you're Milwaukee. I think the Bucks need to find someone to get, whether it's with Dante or, I mean, it, it, Keith said that he's the only guy that he sees being tradable for the Bucks. Then they need to move Dante, especially with his contract situation, whether you're going to be able to re-sign him or not. With how he's played this season, he definitely made it so that he's affordable. The Bucks could bring him back probably next season if they really wanted to. But I think, you know, you're trying to go back-to-back here. I would try and move him for a big man. I don't know that moving him for Dennis Schroeder is the best move because it seems like more of a lateral move to me when you're getting a guard for a guard. I get that they have different skill sets, but I'd rather at that point just keep Dante and possibly re-sign him. Schroeder, I think, for this season would be an upgrade. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's more of a lateral move. I'd rather try and move Dante and try and get some sort of big man into Milwaukee to help in that rotation. And maybe it's something that they take Schroeder out and they're able to just get Grant Williams straight up. I don't know if I'd want to do that straight up for Dante DiVincenzo. I think he's worth a little bit more than that. But if you could get Grant Williams and something on top of that, maybe that's something you do. What do you think the Bucks need to do with the trade deadline? 414-799-1250 or tweet us at 1250 AM The Fan. We can talk about that. But now I want to dive into some Packers talk. There was some news that was broken just a few minutes ago. And breaking news on The Fan is powered by Odyssey.com Sports and presented by BetQL. Become a better sports better. Get smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. This from Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He said, It is official. The Packers have agreed to terms with former Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia to become their new special teams coach. It's likely he is now the highest paid special teams coach in the NFL. And a source of his said that the deal is expected to be signed and announced today. So there you go, Packers fans. If you were a little bit uneasy about Rich Bisaccia because of the reports from Ian Rappaport and others saying that it, it was likely, well, now it is confirmed that he is going to be the special teams coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, which I, I think is really good for them. I think that's a great move. We talked about it on the big show. We've talked about special teams enough for the Packers. I don't think we need to harp on it again, but you get a guy that has head coaching experience, that has a good pedigree as a coach to finally come in and fix this special teams unit. There's nothing but good that can come from that for the Green Bay Packers. All right, I want to talk about the Packers' offense. And do you think that the Packers' offense under Matt LaFleur can be Super Bowl caliber even without Aaron Rodgers? Because let's look at some of these Super Bowls that have happened the last couple seasons. All right, last season you had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Super Bowl in the NFC. That was a Tom Brady-led team. The year before that, the San Francisco 49ers went to the Super Bowl, led by Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. And then the year before that, you had the Rams going to the Super Bowl, and they had Jared Goff under center. So I want to ask you if you think that Matt LaFleur can do a similar thing with his offense if he can take a team to a Super Bowl even without Aaron Rodgers. And I think there are some distinct differences here that I want to point out. But I think that if you are team, let's get move on from Aaron Rodgers, let's go with Jordan Love, or let's go with someone else, whatever the case may be, I think there's some good things that you can look at here 
and say, all right, we should do this. But then on the flip side, I think the Packers are missing some pieces to be able to do this. So first of all, let's look at the offensive pieces that these teams had that went to a Super Bowl that they had. I think we can agree that Jimmy G and Jared Goff are either average to below average quarterbacks. We can argue about where they're ranked, but they are average at best. So let's look at the Rams team that went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots 13-3. to Obviously not a great showing for them. But they had Todd Gurley, who had been kind of injured and it kind of worn down. He only got 10 carries in that Super Bowl. They had C.J. Anderson. So they had some they had some decent running backs, and C.J. Anderson exploded when they picked him up towards the end of the season that year. But look at their receivers. Brandon Cooks was still in L.A. You had Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, Todd Gurley caught a ball that game. So I think they've got a couple good receivers here. You have Brandon Cooks. You have Robert Woods. Cooper Cup was still on that team. I believe he must have hurt himself. I think he had like a torn ACL or something like that that season. I don't think the Packers, their running backs match up better, but their receivers, I don't know if Devontae's gone because I'm assuming, I'm just going to make this assumption that if Aaron Rodgers is gone, Devontae's gone. So we're looking at the rest of the guys because, yes, if Devontae were in town, they would have a better receiving core, but I'm going to assume Devontae's gone. So let's look at the Niners team that lost to the Chiefs 31-20, where they led most of that game. They probably should have won that Super Bowl. The team that steamrolled the Packers on the ground in the NFC Championship. This Niners team had Jimmy Garoppolo under center. They had Mostert in the backfield. They ran the ball a few times with Debo. They had Tevin Coleman. And catching the ball for them, here's where I think it's interesting. They had Kendrick Bourne as their leading receiver in that Super Bowl. You had Juszczyk catching the ball. Debo, Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle, Jeff Wilson. None of these guys really hop off the page to you except for you get, obviously, Debo, and then you get George Kittle. I think it's interesting that you look at those weapons that they had, and they were able to get to a Super Bowl. Do you think the Packers can do the same thing? I look at this roster for the Green Bay Packers right now, and I think Matt LaFleur as a head coach is capable of it. I don't know that the roster right now is. Because if if Devontae Adams moves on, who's your number one? I would assume you want to bring MVS back then, okay. You want to bring back Al Nazard, okay. Robert Tunyon's back, okay. But what of these guys matches up to any of this caliber? Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are still really elite backs. And when you pair them as a duo, they might be the best fire and ice kind of combo or, you know, lightning and thunder kind of combo in the league where you got one that truly is a a master on the outside, a master in space, and you got one that's just a pounder. So that's great. But what do they have on the outside? And I think when you take away Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers, I don't know that the offense can be Super Bowl caliber with the weapons they have right now, assuming Devontae's gone. I think it can be, though, because this offense is very quarterback-friendly. You look at the guys that I just mentioned that went to a Super Bowl, Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think that Jordan Love, if he's going to be the guy that fills in for Aaron Rodgers, which would make the most sense, obviously, do you think that Jordan Love can be that caliber of quarterback? And my answer to you is, I think he can be better than those guys. I think he can be absolutely those guys, and then probably quite a bit better. I still have confidence that Jordan Love can be an above-average quarterback in the NFL. He hasn't shown me anything to really say that he can be that, but he also hasn't shown me enough tape yet to say that he can't be that either. 
So he's still a little bit of an unknown. But if he can be a league average quarterback, you have two teams that show that when you run this offensive system, you can get to a Super Bowl doing it. Now, they obviously had incredible defenses to go alongside that. Do the Packers have that? I think they do. They're going to have to try and retain some guys, and you're going to have a lot of money freed up if you don't bring back Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So maybe you can bring back Rasul Douglas. I don't think he should be at the top of the priority list. I think the guy that should be at the top of the priority list is Devondre Campbell. That guy needs to be back in Green Bay pretty much at whatever the cost and figure out the rest of the defense later. you still got Stokes and Jair on the outside without Rasul Douglas. Now, I'm not saying that I don't value Rasul Douglas. He was obviously incredible, and you want him back on the team if you can, but you haven't had a middle linebacker that good since Ray Nitschke in the middle. You need to have that guy back. You saw the difference. That honestly was the difference this year, I think, between Packers' defense in the past, is having a true middle linebacker that is elite at his job, and that's what Devondre Campbell is. So if you bring him back, you pair that alongside, say you move on from one of the Smith brothers. You pair that alongside one of the Smiths with Rashawn Gary, who's really emerged as a good pass rusher in this league. You have whoever to play defensive end. I think you showed this year with Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster that if you can just find a guy that can play decent football, you can get the job done there. So maybe it's them, maybe it's another guy. And then Kenny Clark in the middle doesn't get the credit he deserves. If you want to watch dominance on a football field, watch 97 on the Green Bay Packers on defense and just watch. Just see what he does to that defense or that offensive line. He destroys whoever he's going up against. And he opens up so much for that defense, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. So Kenny Clark's still going to be anchored there. Maybe you still have Amos. Maybe you have to move on from him. But you got Savage. Again, you got Jair. You've got Eric Stokes. I think that defense, and you showed it against the San Francisco 49ers, you can be stifling, stifling defense. And that's what those teams were built on, the Rams and the Niners. Running the football and playing good defense and finding a way to win games despite not having the Hall of Fame quarterback. Again, I'm still on board saying you bring back Aaron Rodgers, you figure the rest of the roster out afterwards. But I think there is an avenue that if you want to move on, that you don't have to think of yourselves going back to the 1970s where your teams were terrible. I think there is a way with a good head coach like Matt LaFleur that you can still be a competent, relevant Super Bowl caliber football team without Aaron Rodgers on the roster. Maybe not next year, but a couple years down the road, maybe rebuild a little bit with that coaching staff. You you get these guys, you keep Stenovich, that offensive line seems to play well when he's there. Bisaccia fixes the special teams. Maybe you could have a Super Bowl roster next year, even without Aaron Rodgers. It'd be an interesting discussion to have, but we'll see about it. Let's get out to the phone lines, 414-799-1250, if you want to hop in on the conversation Talking about the Packers, is Matt LaFleur's offense capable of being Super Bowl caliber even without Aaron Rodgers? Nate on the north side dialed us up. What do you say, Nate? Uh, yeah, I do think that they could be uh, Super Bowl caliber. And I say it, I say it because um, Matt LaFleur's offense, from what, I, from what I've seen, it's about scheming guys open and it's not meant, it's not set around one player. It's not set to just get Devontae open. It's not set to just run the ball. It's about getting matchups and scheming guys open. Um, for instance, um, 
that uh, one play, that one play at the end of the game um, against San Francisco. That play scheme was all open. You throw, you throw, you throw Adams out on the out on the right side and throw him deep. You know, two people. You know that safety at the top is running with him. So they knew if they threw somebody underneath, either he was going to have enough space to where he could catch the ball or enough space to where he could at least get some yardage. And that's what I feel like if it's been countless times this year where I see I see like Aaron Jones leaking out easy five-yard game that could be thrown, and Aaron doesn't throw the ball. With Jordan Love, I feel that that's going to be – that's what that's what's going to help him succeed is Matt LaFleur scheming, okay, first read, boom. If that's not there, you got you got your running back out there for like five yards or whatever, and then that will help him settle, settle in more to the offense. And then when he gets better, then it, 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 it makes the offense even more better because – He'll be able to uh, read defenses and be able to uh, take advantage of if they're if they trying to uh, give him something or not give him something. Yeah, that's a good call, Nate. I appreciate the phone call. You bring up some good points about that. And you talked about this offense really scheming guys open, and you look at that play that he pointed out at the end of the game against the Niners. Alan Lazard is wide open, and it's really through no doing of Alan Lazard. He runs the route correctly. Whatever. I mean, it's not like he did anything spectacular, but Matt LaFleur does a masterful job of looking at the defense, knowing the weaknesses, and scheming guys open. And the reason that I wanted to have this conversation, it stems from a conversation I was having with someone uh, uh, last week. I was headed to the Bucks game. We were driving, and we were talking about the Packers, and he said, uh, this sounds crazy, and I don't know that I believe it, but is this offense maybe better without having a quarterback that kind of goes and freelances and is more of a, you know, he's a Hall of Fame caliber, but he does a little bit more as an improviser than inside the scheme of the play. And I'm never going to say the Packers are better off without Aaron Rodgers because that would be foolish of me to say. But if you look at this offense, I think they can do a lot of things when you do go inside the scheme of the play. There's a reason that Jared Goff was able to go to a Super Bowl. There's a reason that Jimmy G has been to a Super Bowl and was in an NFC Championship game yet again. The other side of this, though, is look at what the Niners did. They were in a position last year where they struggled with injuries and they had a higher pick. And they said, you know what? Let's give up some picks and we're moving up to three to possibly find a Hall of Fame quarterback in Trey Lance or someone that's at least more dynamic. And that's what they did. And I'm assuming that's what they're going to go with next year. And we'll see how that works out. Look what the Rams did. They said, look, Jared Goff got us to a Super Bowl, but he really holds us back. He really does. He can maybe do what's schemed inside the play, but nothing else. Let's go get Matt Stafford. And look where they're at there in the Super Bowl. So there, there's levels to this because I think the offense itself is Super Bowl caliber if you have, obviously, the weapons on the outside. and But the offense itself has lended itself to being able to win big football games with an average quarterback. But I think you need to have that quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers to take you over the top. Both those teams went to the Super Bowl. They weren't able to get it done. You have a team in the Rams that went to a Super Bowl and they looked really good all season, and then they put up three points against the Patriots. 
And I don't, you know, I don't really care that it's the Patriots. And all, you're in the Super Bowl. You're supposed to be one of the two best teams. You've got to get the job done. And it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens with the Rams in this Super Bowl on Sunday. Can they get the job done when you have Matt Stafford under center? Is it different this time around because they have a quarterback who isn't as league average, as inept at times as Jared Goff can be? Jared Goff, I think, can be a good quarterback or an average quarterback, but he's never going to win you football games. He's just going to be the guy that can run things inside the scheme of the play. And sometimes, like Nate said, that's what this offense just needs. I think Jordan Love can be that for the Packers. I just don't know that the weapons that they'd have around him, if they moved on from Devontae, would be enough to run this offense effectively enough to go to a Super Bowl. Do you think that Alan Lazard can run that role that Robert Woods runs in the Rams offense? I don't know that he can. Because if you look at Robert Woods' career, it really took off once he went to the Rams, and it really took off once Sean McVay came into town. Because I think what he does is he does what Devontae does really well and runs his routes really well. And he's just a route runner. He does everything well. And he's a good football player. And you take away those special throws that Rodgers and Adams have together, I think you'd see a lot of Robert Woods and Devontae. I'm not saying they're the same player at all. Uh, obviously, Devontae's the far away better player and the best receiver in the league. But they're they're kind of built on running routes. There's nothing... You know, they're not speeding by you. They're not doing anything spectacularly. They're not breaking your ankles. They're not doing Tyreek Hill type things. They're just running their routes. And I think if they can have an effective route runner come in to Green Bay, a guy that maybe you could look at as a guy like Brandon Cooks that was on the Rams Super Bowl team that year, a guy that can take the top off of a defense. I think it can't be overstated how much the Packers really did miss MVS in that playoff game against the Niners. You lacked that deep threat, and the only guy that Rodgers seemed to trust on the field at wide receiver was Devontae Adams. You had double-digit targets go to Devontae. You had double-digit targets go to Aaron Jones. And the next leading guy for targets was Dominique Daphne with two. He didn't trust the other guys on the field. So it's a tough one there, and I'm not trying to argue that game. But the weapons for the Packers, I think, would limit them from being able to do this. But I think if you moved on from Aaron Rodgers, you could build a core around them, and then you build up that defense. You've got the pieces in place on the line, and maybe you'd have to move on from Bakhtiari as well, but you could re-sign Elton Jenkins, and you still got Senovich, who really coached up that offensive line well. Maybe you just depend on the running game, which you, you see the Niners. They love running the football, and they've been one of the best teams in the NFC the last couple seasons. Maybe that's the route you start going if you move on from Aaron Rodgers. I just The reason I wanted to talk about this is I think a lot of people, and I'm not from the area. I didn't grow up in Wisconsin, so I'm a little bit different. But some people think that Packers fans are incredibly spoiled. And in some senses, I guess you could say they are. But just because you say that they're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers, it doesn't mean they're going to go into 20, 30 years of terrible football. They could just be bad for a year or two and then be right back on top. All right, we'll talk more about the Packers coming up here on Sparky's Midday Madness. 
Sorry I had to break so quick. Cat got my tongue. We're good now. We're back. We're talking about the Packers. We're talking about the offense of the Packers. You think Matt LaFleur can produce a Super Bowl caliber offense even without Aaron Rodgers? I mean, you could argue that he hasn't produced a Super Bowl caliber offense with Aaron Rodgers yet. They haven't been there. But I think we can agree they're one of the better offenses in the league. But the reason that I I want to talk about this, and before I couldn't talk anymore and had to take a break, I was trying to say this. Packers fans, you don't have to think that just because you're going to move on that you're going back to the doomsday Green Bay Packers when, oh my gosh, I hope we win seven games. Oh my goodness, I hope we can at least compete in the NFC North. Oh my goodness, I hope we can get into the playoffs. Just because you move on from Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean you're taking that big of a step backwards. You are taking a step backwards. Don't try to lie to yourselves and say you'll just, you know, be right back there because Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback all time. Moving on from a guy like that can never be not bad for an organization. I mean, it's pretty simple that way. But you got to think that Matt LaFleur is able to get the job done. And I think if I learned anything this season with the Green Bay Packers, it's that I gained more trust in Matt LaFleur, and I gained a whole lot more trust in Brian Gutekinst. After the offseason last year and some of the different drafts that the the Packers have had, I kind of had lost a little bit of that faith in Brian Gutekinst. Because... You know, you draft some guys a little earlier than they're supposed to be drafted or projected to be drafted. You draft some guys that probably shouldn't have been drafted. All, all these different things, all right? But when you look at what he was able to do this season, Brian Gutekunst, you get Devondre Campbell to come in here. Now, did they think he was going to be this good? No. I mean, they'd be lying. If they thought he was going to be an all-pro, they would have signed him for more money if they knew that was the case. He had other offers, and he chose to come to Green Bay. He gets Rasul Douglas. You think Rasul Douglas was going to play at that level? Do they know that? No. They d- they didn't know that he was going to play at that high of a level, but you got to give credit where credit's due. He brings in guys that were able to fill in and play their jobs incredibly, incredibly well. And I think if you're the Packers, it's good to have confidence knowing that if your Hall of Fame quarterback, your second one in a row, he moves on, and now you're stuck with, Jordan Love, or whoever is going to be under center for the Packers. You've got a GM who can identify talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball there. You can identify talent and bring in guys at cheaper prices who can get the job done. I think I'd still like to see him do a better job in some of his drafts. But then again, last season in the first round, you draft a guy like Eric Stokes, and he was one of the best rookie corners, if not the best rookie corner last season. He's he's going to be a building block for this team going forward. Him and Jair are going to be one of the best corner duos in the league, especially as smaller guys and speedsters. I mean, as the game starts to go away from having the big body receivers as much, and you got a team like the Chiefs that has all small guys that run really fast, the Packers corners are one of the few teams that it doesn't matter which side of the field Tyreek Hill lines up on. They've got a guy that can run run yard for yard with him and Eric Stokes and and Jair Alexander. So I think it's got to feel good as Packers fans that you've seen a guy now 
and Brian Gutekinds be able to find some talent. They did go all in this season. He does have that in his repertoire. He He's not afraid to make a deal if it's there. He was in on Odell Beckham Jr. I know Packers fans and Bucks fans and Wisconsin sports fans in general get sick of hearing we were in the mix. But the fact is, I don't think Odell was really going anywhere. I know we're seeing reports now that maybe he was going to go to New England. I mean, this isn't New England with Tom Brady. It was New England with Mac Jones. He was never going there. And he wanted to, you know, win. Green Bay was on the list, and obviously it worked out for him going to L.A., and it worked out really good for L.A. with Robert Woods going down and Odell having to fill a bigger role. But they were in on that conversation. They were going after him. I mean, you've got to be happy what Brian Gutekinds was able to do for the Packers this year. And then you look at Matt LaFleur. Now, there's a lot of discussion to be had about him because 39 wins in his first three years in the regular season, zero Super Bowl appearances to show for it. I mean, it's it's pretty disappointing. But at the same point, he's shown that he can get the job done. He's shown that whatever, regular season coach, whatever you want to call him, he's shown that he can be a really effective head coach. And I think, again, I don't think that just because you move on from Aaron Rodgers, it turns into the doomsday Green Bay Packers. I think this offense is built such that quarterback isn't the most important position on the football field anymore. It's it's one of them, but the team works a lot more to help out the quarterback than in other systems. It's not as quarterback dependent, I guess, is the better way to say it, because quarterback still is incredibly important but it's not as quarterback dependent. And I think you can still find yourselves maybe competing for a Super Bowl even without Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know. We'll talk about this more. Rami Makhlouf just hopped in the chair. We'll talk about that more coming up on Sparky's Midday Madness after this. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan, no Sparky Pfeiffer today. It's Toby Altizer, and now joining me, the famed Rami Maklov of the Rami Show, which follows this fine program. Rami shows up at the perfect time when my voice is about to leave, so at least he can talk for three hours and not me for anymore. <laughs> it's not easy, is it? No, it's not. It's not easy talking all day, no, is it, Toby? It's not. It's not. not. My nickname growing up was radio because I never shut up, and now I'm all for shutting up. Now you wish you could shut up. Right, I wish. Yeah. So yeah. uh, we've talked about a People couple of things. People are always saying to me, like, I'll go out with friends or whatever, and I'm I'm a kind of a quiet dude. And they're like, Rami, you're kind of quiet. Everything all right? I'm like, I talked all damn day, dude. <laughs> yes, I'm fine. I just would rather hear people talk than go and do the talking myself once I leave here at 6 o'clock. My favorite thing is when you go out with friends, and obviously we both work in the sports radio industry, yeah. and then they start asking you all your opinions that you spent four hours or three hours telling them all day. I just want to send them a link to the show. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Say, go listen on your Odyssey app. It's like, dude, I, I'm, I'm glad that you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, but I've just talked about him for three weeks. Yeah. I'm done. It's kind of, it's yeah. I mean, it's a job. Speaking of it which, let's job. talk yes. about Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Let's do it. I was asking this question because... You look at the Rams, went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. The Niners were on the cusp of going this year. They won a couple years ago. Those They run similar systems to the Packers. Do you think the Packers could form a Super Bowl caliber offense even without Aaron Rodgers there? I think they could. I think they could, but I don't th- – it's 
it's it's the path of least resistance as a franchise quarterback. I heard you talking before the break about this. This is not necessarily a quarterback dependent system. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a quarterback dependent or a quarterback driven system. Anytime you can have a franchise quarterback, you want it. There's a reason Kyle Shanahan wanted Aaron Rodgers last year. He runs the same system mm -hmm. and he will go out and try and win running the ball 40 times or whatever he has to do with the personnel that he's given. But you can be damn sure that Kyle Shanahan would rather have Aaron Rodgers and and Sean McVay, who runs the same system. They're all off the same coaching tree. He wanted Aaron Rodgers before they went and got Matthew Stafford. So you can do it. You can go the Jimmy Garoppolo route. You can go the Jared Goff route. Those are examples of, you know, average or slightly above average quarterbacks that teams won a lot of games with, even contended for Super Bowls with, running that same system. But it's not it's 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 harder to do it. The margin for error elsewhere on the roster is that much smaller. You have to have that much better a defense. You have to clean up your special teams. You have to make sure that your run game is one that can carry an offense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When you have a quarterback he like an Aaron Rodgers, he makes up for a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and the other thing is we're just in this exercise. We're assuming if Aaron's gone, Devontae's gone. I don't think they have the weapons to do it. I mean, Al Lazard's your number one. MV, I, I, they would go get somebody else. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back without Devontae Adams. Well, no, I'm saying yeah. in this situation where yeah. we're looking at the weapons, Aaron's moved on, Devontae's mm -hmm. moved on. Can they build a Super Bowl caliber offense? I think the running backs are Super Bowl caliber, and they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. I think that tandem, one of the best in the league. Tight end, I think Tunyon's good enough. Sure. R wide receiver, they'd have to go find somebody. Like You, you look in the, the Niners, they've got Debo. And even though it was his rookie year, he was still having an impact when he went. They have George Kittle, though, who is a mm -hmm. big tight end for them. And then you look at the Rams, they got Robert Woods. I think if they were able to find a Robert Woods type that maybe isn't the most spectacular player but just runs the routes effectively. Yeah. I mean, Nate called in earlier and said that this offense is, deals in schemes and schemes guys open. You look at that play to Devontae where Rodgers bombs it, Lazard's open. That's not Lazard doing that. That's the scheme of the play. Yeah, you got to run the route right, you, and and you, and there are little things that that these guys do that will will you know trick a safety into giving the deep help or or coming or dropping down and helping mm -hmm. helping in the middle, whatever the case might be. There there is execution to it, but yeah, the scheme is what ultimately gets these guys open. Yeah, so I think it's an interesting discussion to have. I mean, I'm not again. I don't think you're not on trade Aaron Rodgers. Are you? I'm not, but I get it more than I ever have. Yeah, I, th I think it makes more sense now than it ever has. Yeah. If if the logic is this is the best shot you'll ever have with Aaron Rodgers, and maybe sell high, I I understand. I disagree with it, but I understand it. If it has anything with do to do with anything other than football, then no, I don't get it at all. Yeah, I agree with that. The other thing we talked about was the NBA trades that went down today. The C.J. McCollum trade. Yeah, what is happening? I, 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 I was lost for words. I had to have Sam like compose me. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> what these trades are. What is have, happening in have, the NBA right you now? You have C.J. McCollum these getting guys traded. Can be had for that. Yeah, you get Demontis Sabonis getting traded and Halliburton getting traded. What are your thoughts on those? Because I, I, I sit here and I'm just like, uh, why? Like, what, what, what are you doing? I, I don't understand it either. I, I can't, I can't help you with it, Toby. These seem like very one-sided trades to me. These seem like very very one-sided trades to me. I don't know. I can't make sense of it. But maybe maybe that's a good sign for what the market is. I don't, and I don't think that the Bucks could have been in on Sabonis, no. even for what they gave up, or could have been in no. on Halliburton or on C.J. McCollum. But if that's the price for those guys, 
that means that the price for the guys one tier down is is also that much less. You know what I mean? The market is being set right now, so maybe it's a good sign for the Bucks that these moves for quality players are are kind of one sided, and there's not going back a, a lot going back the other way. And what do you think the Bucks need to do? Do you think they need to do something at the deadline, move yeah. Dante, or is it just kind of like eh, just whatever? They got to get they they have to get some big man help. Yeah, I don't I think agree. I don't think Greg Monroe is is enough. Well, I, I, I don't. I don't think. I think you want a guy because if Brooke Lopez comes back, that's awesome. Yeah. But don't play on it. And, and if he does, like, are you sure he's going to go the whole postseason? I'm okay with shopping around Dante. I don't I don't hate some of the some of the rumors I've heard floating around Dante. We'll talk about that in the three o'clock hour on the Rami show today. I, I'm 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 okay, I'm okay with that. I, I like Dante, but at the same time, if you can make yourself better, compose your roster a little bit better and, and get somebody Who's more of a fit for what you need as a as opposed to they have a little bit of redundancy on the roster. Yeah, they do. With 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 Pat Connaughton and and Dante and a couple other guys. So if you can get somebody who brings you more of what you need, rather more of what you already have, then I'm okay with moving on from Dante in a contract year, especially. Absolutely. What do we got coming up on today's Rami show? On the show today, not not too far a stretch from the conversation you were just having, and I'll ask you: Would you want a veteran QB to come in and compete with Jordan Love if you're moving on from Aaron Rodgers? It depends upon the QB. I, would I have a list of guys. I would generally say no. I have a list of guys who are potentially on that list. One guy got added to the list yesterday. Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know Sam's in Bring on him that. home. I know Sam's in on that. Uh, so. if, it, if it's Kyler Murray, sure, why not? Okay. I don't know. I want to see what Jordan Love has, man. All right. I want to see what he's got. I still think he can be above average. And we saw that, you know, like I, we mentioned those teams that went to Super Bowls, Jared Goff. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jordan Love can be better than those guys. I want to give it a shot. So we'll talk about that. We are going to get into uh, some of these NBA trades and rumors surrounding the Milwaukee Bucks. The latest in Rodgers' watch, there's new news in Ro- – well, I'm going to put that in quotes. There's new news in Rodgers' watch. We'll get to that at 345. Uh, Bart Winkler, who you know. You know yeah, I know him. him well. He'll be here at 4 o'clock for Tuesdays with Winkler. If he wakes up. And uh, much, much more on the show today. Awesome. Sounds like a good Rami show. That comes up next here on 1250 AM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 